Welcome to the Echo Oscar Delta podcast, where we talk to Navy EOD techs and hear the stories that they want to share. All ideas, thoughts, and statements are those of the guest and the host of Echo Oscar Delta, and not of Navy EOD or Navy as a whole. What's that? Howdy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we got Harvey Fisher today. Uh, You've done, what, six, seven months now? Yep, about, about yeah, that. Yeah, it's pre- still pretty new. So <laughs> we just wanted to get a new guy on, you know, get their perspective of things. Um, now nah, you've you've been around for a little while. We you came in and what? Um, went through UD school in '03 with you know guys like Tommy and Shannon, Mark Mejia, uh, Sammy Soso was in my class. Nice. Yeah. Uh, who else? Oh man. Cameron, yeah, you know, captain now. Um, he was a class leader. Got a few, few big, big names. Todd Neal, nice. Those guys on the West Coast, they don't know him. Yeah, so that was in '03. Came in the Navy. Been in the Navy for about, about 22 years now. Okay. EOD for 20 of it. Yeah. So, how when you came in, um, <clears throat> were you planning on? EOD is that no no actually uh it was funny listening to some of your other podcasts um it's funny how a lot of us are kind of that way so back back then we were all we all had our source ratings but before that I was in IT mm. right I was uh, that's right I remember that coming out occasionally yelling yeah. at me about <laughs> IT things <laughs> and really the guy the guys that brought me into the community was uh you know legends like Jeff Reinhofer and Kevin Parra yeah you know so then when I was a mud pup, you know, those guys ran the mud pup program. And then um, Josh Harsh is a diver. Yeah, you know, I think he's retired now. But he, he also ran the mud pup program there at Mobian 2. There was a lot of guys, a lot of mo- mud pups from Mobian 2 that know Josh Harsh. Yeah. So, yeah. You did, you did most of your time on the East Coast, right? Yeah. So I started my, started my uh, career after EOD school. I went to the uh, West Coast. I was at Mobile 11 back when it was still up at Whidbey Island. Okay. Which was a great place. Yeah. Great place, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, man, you know, I understand why we consolidated everything the way we did, but back when all the commands were spread across, the, you know, the world, it was awesome because we had places yeah. everywhere, But which makes me think now, it's like, man, because back then we had less guys than we have now. How did we do it? <laughs> yeah, like how did we do? How did yeah. we man all those? And it just, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into it throughout the time. Just attributes how how great some dudes are and like everything that they can get done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, back in 2003 when you came in, so you went through school in 2003. When did you show up to the mobile unit? Beginning of 04. Okay. So we were, I think we were the we were the first class to graduate in the beginning of 04. And then uh, you have to forgive me, you know, scars on the brain. Can't yeah. really remember exact dates, right? <laughs> no worries. Um, and, you know, I'm sure some of the guys over in my class could probably put in comments, more specific dates. <laughs> but came uh, after EOD school, we were the first class that went back to Benning. Oh, okay. So the class, the classes before us went to, uh, went to Otai and they were able to get – Oh, really? Yeah, they were able to get static line and free fall and everything else, and we are all expecting, like, yeah, we're going to get free fall right out of 
right out of school and this and that. And we're all excited. And then they're like, no, you're going to Benning. And <laughs> just huge, huge deflation out of that. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, so I uh, showed up to the Mobient. Uh, I think it was probably about either spring, early summer, the Mobient 11. And then deployed, you know, deployed within six months of that. Dang. I reckon then it was just... It was nonstop after that for a, yeah. for a good bit. Yeah. Um, I guess. So obviously there's there's some things we're not gonna get into, you know. <laughs> we can't for, for reasons. But um, you know, on the training side of things, uh coming in there, everything was pretty new, right? Yeah. Like people were just getting their feet wet with, mm-hmm. with going in, going to war. Um <clears throat> for you showing up when you did and the training that you did, obviously in a very shortened timeline. Um mm-hmm that that first round how how'd that feel as like a new guy trained up and then and then going it was fast right so there was a lot to learn especially you know and a lot of the guys that are out there and you know new guys that are coming in you, you'll understand this eventually but the things you learn at school in the pipeline a lot of it doesn't necessarily go into what we as a you know navy od community what we do as far as the uh Everything that it is that we have to know is, fun, you know, from warfare, right, combat, the combat mindset, and then all the little intricacies of the, everything that we do from, you know, all the Saberni piece, right, chem, bio, nuke, you know, then, you know, conventional ordinances and then impedances to assault and, and then, like, attaching to... Um, you know, other combat units, whether it's conventional or whether it's soft. Yeah. You know, and so there's a lot, a lot to learn. And back then it was just everything, right? Uh, we eventually got to a point where we kind of started stripping some things down for certain teams, which mm-hmm. that went, that's gone away since then too, but which I'm kind of good because, you know, more well-rounded UD operators better. Buzzword. <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day. Got well-rounded. <laughs> um, but uh, it was quick, and I mean, it's dip, way different than what we do now. We were we were still out of those old uh, Swiss V's, you know, the mm-hmm. the uh, you know Chevys, no top on the back, no camper, anything like that. And then um, you know, everything, a lot of things were dismounted. I remember my first run through two one at you know in training. We were uh, we did a dismounted uh, nuke drill. Yeah. You know, so we're, it's me, guys like myself, uh, Justin Jewett, you know, JJ, um, Noah Sparza, Chris Tiao, Tony Tubalino, and, uh, you know, my uh, first first chief and, you know, big mentor of mine, Bob Bob Zerman. Yeah. And we're, we're doing this dismounted neutral and we're carrying a pig dismounted. I'm like, <laughs> and I was a, I was a A-dubber, right, in the... Uh, in our in our patrol and it was just like man this sucks <laughs> like, oh that's awesome like this is a lot of this is a lot of crap to carry this is it was ridiculous you know because then you know because you're helping carry the you know rotating through carrying the pig you're you're you know you're carrying uh all that you know, i was carrying all the ammo for the you know for the 60 because that was our cruiser right that time was m60 for us and then um you know just the ammo for that plus Plus, to make it even worse, because I was a prior IT, guess who's the freaking radio guy? Dude, and radios are extremely light. Yeah, yeah, everybody knows it's, 
It's like a feather <laughs> in your rock. You know? <laughs> it's terrible, dude. <laughs> so yeah, it was um, it was you know it was uh, it was interesting, but it was definitely one of those things where I think helped define me throughout my career was just that it was go nonstop, and yeah. that was something that um, you know that Bob Zimmerman kind of really pushed on us and the guys that were in training at the time because they understood like okay, hey, you know, even though it was a couple years in to the GWAT, um, we still you know. We still weren't fully fledged into it because I think a lot, you know, there was still a lot of like, okay, play with um, whether or not how much we're going to do in the water and how much we're going to do on land and yeah. all that other stuff, you know what I mean? So there was a lot of that play. I mean, even though we had guys that went in pretty quickly in Afghanistan back then, you know what I mean? Guys that were coming off ships and all that stuff. So yeah. it, it was, it was still drinking out of the fire hose. When you first came in, so you talked about, <clears throat> you know, uh, Navy EOD specifically trying to find exactly where they fit and like mm-hmm. try to get in, but also try to not overstep what Navy's supposed to do. Um, back then, how much were you privy to that, or were you just like focused on training? I was focused. Well, I was one hundred percent focused on training. You know, like we were the amount of you know because I was I was a second class. So I was IT two. Yeah. You know, IT two Harvey Fisher trying to so figure out you know. Go ahead. I guess I'll go ahead and cuss. Trying to figure out my asshole from my ear hole, you know. <laughs> trying to just trying to work that piece out was was a was a um, big piece for me as well. You know, just trying to figure out everything that we did, yeah, and learning all those things throughout the throughout the years with that. You know, because the first, I mean, I was at Mobile in eleven. You know, my first three and a half, almost four years there, I was I was only stateside 200 and i think it was 250 something days 260 something days yeah yeah and we were everybody everybody was gone all the time there were guys that were there you know i'm sure there's been plenty of stories about it where guys come back off a rotation being at the mobile for about three years and then some guys there less time is like are you oh you a new guy yeah it's like no 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 buddy (laughs) i've been here for a while so but yeah it's uh it's a, it was a busy time back then, for sure. Yeah. Um, jumping forward, like, a lot. <laughs> so, <clears throat> coming in, training, the way you did, and then now, you know, for quite a while, ever since I've known you, um, even when you've been doing operational stuff yourself, like, y- your big thing has been training and training guys. How has, you know, your time up to now affected how you look at and set up training for new guys and experience but yeah so it's always been for me it's always been i try to make it as hard as possible and as realistic as possible just because and to have as many facets of just problem solving that needs to happen right so you know that's always been training Especially the last, I'd say probably the last 13 years have been a big, big piece for me. Just because, you know, from the first time I was a platoon LCPL, you know, you know, freaking 13, 14 years ago. Uh, that was something that everybody always told me, like, hey, got to train you guys. Yeah. Got to train you guys. And that was, so it's always been a thing where it's like, okay, I want, I want the best rounded dude I can have. And I want to, I want to make sure that he can grind it out essentially right just 
as hard as I can make it for them without it, without it breaking them as far as physically. Mentally, I wanted to see if I could break them. Yeah. Right, without, without actually causing injury, I'd try to make it as hard as I could just because <clears throat> I think there's a lot to be said about that, and I think that a lot of the guys want that. You know, guys want, guys want that challenge. Guys want to be able to show that they can get through that, and that, that's what they came in for. That's what they're in this program for. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree, even, even though sometimes when they're going through it, it's it's nonstop complaining about how hard it is and why is Harvey <laughs> making me do this? There has but. been there has been a few uh, things said about that. Like, well, that's unnecessary. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but did you die? <laughs> so it's always you know it's you know there there is a balance you know there's luckily enough I have uh, a lot of these times when especially when I get really really like okay no we're doing this we're doing this um, I have. Guys are so solid sounding boards. Are kind of remind me like, hey, Harvey, we don't have to, we don't yeah. have to be this way. The guys can't take a break, and it's true. You know, I mean, I even myself, like, I I gotta, you know, find myself in that. Like, okay, hey, it's all right. To, it, it's okay to take a break every now and again. Yeah. You know, just you know, you've already. But to me, it's like, okay, hey, let's show that you can get through this first and then we can start we can start pulling back the pulling back the throttle a bit yeah so. yeah I, I agree i've always found that <clears throat> the way i've kind of once i've had some influence on the training side is hit the ground, ground running as hard as you can because if you realize you're getting to the to where you want to be quicker than expected then you can throttle back but if you start easy and then you realize you're not going to make it it's you're yeah. uh, like gonna make everybody go until it's time to go and oh, no. that's not fun for anybody either no and then you, you can't you won't you want to have set up an environment for that guy to really um to really have tested that prior to yeah you know what i mean like if you really really test it make it harder made it make it harder on like certain physical aspects in the beginning as you build up the intellectual aspect and then make the intellectual aspect harder then they can start melding those two together because that's the big thing I always tell guys like, hey, dude, you're always going to be this. You're always going to be the most tired guy on target. Yeah. Right. Because you're you're the one leading the way. You've got you're clearing you're clearing the path and then dismount the whole time. And then once you're done with that, like you're going in, right? You're going in and then a complex complex problem arises, you know, whether it's an an impedance or something along that nature, and now you have to make these complex intellectual decisions on whether or not, okay, I can do this, I can't do that. I need to recommend these things to, to a ground force commander and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you talk about doing a lot of that, like recommended ground force commander and, and um, just some of those those things that, like you had mentioned in EOD school, were, were tested on the, the specific thing, right? The going down and, looking at a bomb, figuring out what fuse, figuring out how to disarm that fuse, disarming it and then blowing it up, right? Mm -hmm. Very separate from like even even just a, a normal mode team going into into country mm -hmm. in a war zone or a, a conflict where we're actually doing operations and there's a lot more involved. How was that aspect? Like learning that aspect of it. And I know that now Training-wise, that's a big aspect for you, where 
adding in the actual operational piece so the yeah all that combat portion of it well and that's that's the thing right that adding all those other pieces into it can be pretty hard especially um when you have guys who who don't have that experience yet right so they can't they can't role play that either right so the best way to do it is just get as many people as you can involved in the training which which sometimes which sometimes uh is pretty difficult to do so like there's a lot of times where one person and a lot of guys listen to this probably know this where one person is acting like four people mm-hmm. you know so it, it it can be pretty hard when you're when you're trying to add in all those other aspects of that but the thing that we we have to focus one on those on those baseline skills and then not only the baseline skills when it comes to like just the explosives piece but like overall warfare so and that's to me i try to try to let guys know and understand like hey man there's so much to what we do that you you have to understand that you have to be able to flow through all these things because you know kind of funny i'm going to say this but like the irregularity of the warfare that we do is insane yeah you know there's a lot of a lot of guys even guys within our own community don't fully grasp the whole scope of it, especially newer guys. You know, guys have been around a bit and guys have seen it, done it, or heard stories of it, or like, or have read some of these things about all the different aspects that we have been involved in pretty much since our inception, you know? Yes, everything that we came from, everything that we've evolved from, everything that we've evolved to, and then everything that we've, you know, done in between. The, this scope, the scope of responsibilities and the magnitude of the, the just the operations that guys have been on is mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. I think even like, if you think about the MCM world, <clears throat> I think most people that are involved in, in that kind of thing, look at just the, the one little aspect. So if like we're diving on, on a mine, they look at just the diving portion on the mine. Well, the thing about Navy EOD, which has crossed all of all of our mission sets, is yeah, we do that with you know inside of a larger operation, but also we have missions that are outside of a normal operation, and yeah. I, I think that's that that goes to what you're saying that like we've Navy EOD specifically is expanded beyond just the normal mission set, the normal standard, mm-hmm. you know, any, any operation, any portion of our job, there's the, the standard set, whatever. And then there's the, the irregular part of it. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's, <clears throat> and it's just gone so beyond a lot of things, especially in, you know, during the GY and I've, you know, I find myself to be, I consider myself to be pretty um, fortunate for the timing I've had with the GWAT and everything else, but just, you know, looking in the future and, and kind of taking lessons learned from the past prior the GWAT, is, I think is important, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there's more, right? There's things beyond just the, the, the you know, war on terror, especially now it's pretty much, you know, that's, we're kind of over that, you know? And just looking at the next, next threats that we're going to be facing and things of that nature, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really important that we take some of the older lessons learned and we evolve from where we are now. Yeah. Right. So like we, 
where we where we were during the GWAT, we evolved so fast and so rapidly um, from pre-GWAT era to the GWAT. And then even after that, you know, I think there's a lot more evolving that we can do, you know, and hopefully, you know, we'll see, we'll see it where, you know, where the community goes. Yeah. I didn't prep you with this before, so if you want to think about it, you can. But, you know, we're moving into a spot where there's more and more guys who haven't gone and seen combat. Mm. And they're going to be or are responsible for training guys who have not seen combat. Mm. How do you view that in terms of, right, that that's a fact that happens and it cycles and mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not one of those goods or bads mm-hmm. because it's just a fact. Right. Mm-hmm. But have you thought about, or do you need to think about before you answer, um, how, how, or like methods to improve their ability to train guys who are in a similar state with them, not necessarily experience wise because experience like, in doing doing the job is one thing, but then there's the experience that you get from combat and ter- taking the job to combat. Because one nice thing about our job, or if you want to look at it that, is there's work in EOD no matter what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. But in a conflict or in a war, it ratchets it up. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's something I've thought about before, actually. Um, <clears throat> there's a few different ways to approach it. You know, and again... World by Harvey. All right, so this is by no means anything official or anything like that. But right. the, um, in my eyes, the way we can approach these problem sets are purely intellectually, right? That's something I tell a lot of guys is, you know, in Navy Special Operations, right, and, and, and what we do is it's all here. Mm-hmm. Right? That's our greatest asset is that, right, is our mind and being able to think through things. So it's, just because a guy hasn't been to combat doesn't mean he can't train guys for combat. So there's a lot of things that can go into it with, uh, with just how he thinks and the, and the process, the processes that go behind it and realizing that, hey, not, uh, you know, not everything is going to be the same. You know, not, you know, not, there isn't a specific way that will always handle a particular problem set. Right. I so there's <clears throat> to pretty much teaching guys how to be able to flow through problem sets instead of just like oh it's this because of this right oh you know I come into the, I come into this room and because I see X Y Z my answer has to be A B C no 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 it's not that at all right and I always tell guys the way the wind blows can change you know just how the direction of wind can change how somebody can approach a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's, it's, there's, and so pretty much just fostering that idea of like, okay, hey, you know, there isn't just one set of answers that has to go with all these problem sets. It's, it's the answer that you make. It's the answer that you make through your intellect and through your training and through your understanding of, th- of threat assessment. And then being able to work to your ability. A good friend of mine said this years ago. He's like, hey, don't ever work past your ability. You know, so, and having guys with that understanding of like, okay, hey, I know my ability is mm-hmm. only going to take me this far, 
right? So this problem set that is a little bit outside of it, I need to throttle myself back and either either get help with this problem, right? Or I need to approach it a different way than somebody who possibly could do this, who has a little bit greater ability in this arena than me. Yeah. Right? So that's kind of the way I see it. You know, it's not that, again, you're right, it's a natural fact that there's going to be guys training that, training guys for combat who never went to combat themselves. So those guys, one, right, it's an ego thing. And guys got to put away their ego and say, okay, hey, you know what, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do this, but here are the things I know. Yeah. And here's a thought process to go with the things, these things you know. And that's, to me, is the biggest thing. It's just a thought process. And then treating training like it's real. Yes. Like a lot of guys, a lot of guys are so quick to admin, so quick to, mm-hmm. like, oh, we don't, need to, we don't need to throw on, you know, we don't actually need to throw on gas masks. We don't actually need to throw on this much weight. Like, oh, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you do, my friend, because when you – when you're, when time gets real and you realize, oh man, I am 15 pounds heavier with this gear, and now you just realize, oh my gosh, that's 15 pounds more per step for this 16 click disc I have to do. <laughs> you start rethinking things like, okay, what is my true abilities? So I always say, hey, make admin is the least amount of things that you can do, and then the next thing is. You know, trying to induce that sensory overload because that's the thing in, in combat and that, uh, you know, you learn and it's hard to really truly understand to you. There's once things start get going, it's such a sensory overload. And if you haven't been desensitized to that sensory overload of like, okay, this is going on here. This is going on here. I have to make this, this, I have to make this decision on, on this while, Everything around me is chaos. Yeah. And then being able to focus on, you know, the five-meter target, the 10-meter target, and working your way through these problems. You know, I mean, if you don't do that, like, the first time you experience it, you're going to be stuck. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Something that I heard, um, you know, on the on training guys is, you know, sometimes I think we can – get a little too into this is when we talk about safety and like the safest way to do things um we can get too into like this is the there there is a safest way to do a problem but then you have to take into the human account right and the safest way because abilities are different and we have to take that into account the Mm -hmm. safest way for me to take care of a problem and not get injured or die may be different than for you to take take care of the problem mm. and not get injured or die. And there's the safest way to make, like, there's the way to make sure that it doesn't blow up, right? Mm. But if your ability isn't at that level, well, then you have to ratchet it down and be like, all right, I'm going to take some concessions. Right. Might, might blow up, but at least if it does, I'm going to be safe. And, right. yeah, I think, and that all comes with, you know, like you said, uh, training to to the abilities mm-hmm. and then just increasing those. Yep. And that's right. That's what training is for, right? Is to try to push those abilities. Yep. And the thing with that too, is that, um, oh man, I had something for that. <laughs> so with, with, with training, um, when you, 
you have to be able to push those abilities and you work towards your abilities. And there's certain things, and it's a fine balance. That's what I was going to talk about. There's mm-hmm. a fine balance to be played with that, right? Because there's a there's a point like, okay, hey, and you know, guys have heard it, trying to be super safe, uber safe, and everything else. Well, you may be putting yourself at risk. <coughs> you may be putting yourself at risk for other threats. Yeah. Without even knowing it, because you're trying to, you're so focused on decreasing, decreasing the possibility of that threat that you've increased possibilities of other threats. Yeah. You know, so like you, it's a, it's always a fine balancing act, just like everything else that we do. You know, between even just, you know, people knowing who we are and what we do. Very few people know everything we do. Yeah. Right? And it's a good thing because. It lets us kind of retain that, like, being silent professional and all that, you know, all those buzzwords, if you will, right? And But the bad part about that, right, is is that guys don't know, and they just kind of like, oh, it's that. Yeah. But you don't realize the stuff we get into. And like you said, there's so many things that we do that's, you know, even outside of combat and outside of these other warfares that, again, makes everything that we do irregular, right? So, like, talking about you know doing doing security details for you know high value personnel all the way you know one month and then turning around and going to you know high intellectual arenas with labs and mm-hmm. things of that nature and then turning around and doing you know doing CQC and not just with navy guys but with army guys and even yeah. though it's they're both soft units one unit does something slightly different than the other, so you have to be able to adapt to all the little nuances between each unit, right? Because that's the thing with with us specifically is that we're not the we're not the typically we don't sit on the outside of the cordon waiting for an event to happen, right? Right, we're right in there. You typically you can't differentiate what each person does in that stack, right? And that's just something people don't know and realize and. It's something we don't typically uh, advertise either. Yeah. You know, it's because of who we are. And luckily, luckily, uh, you know, hopefully this isn't advertising too much. <laughs> now, I think, <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, even, even if we, even if we were to explain this to a T, like it still wouldn't make <laughs> sense to most, like. Yeah. Except for those units that we work with, mm-hmm. they might actually understand a little better what we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, people still aren't gonna gonna really get it. I mean, I don't know. It's it's interesting because we we have to like we have to understand so much of all the other pieces and parts of the mission and of the job, mm-hmm. whether it's you know on a, a mob team where we're working out of a vehicle and we're in a convoy of. Mm-hmm. you know, regular army or, you know, uh, special forces, special operations, you know, convoy dismounted, whether we're, you know, out to sea working with big Navy, which is probably the scariest thing of all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, um, it's just, I, I think there's a, it gets different, but I think one of the things that we're really good at is quickly going from one to another. So quickly mm-hmm. going from, you know, going out and working with the SEALs to coming back, being on an MCM team, and now going out and working with Big Navy. Mm-hmm. It, it, 
like I joke about it being scary, but it really kind of is because you're you're so used to like the way one things work, and you know it's totally the opposite. One eighty, like, the 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 structure and how much input the junior man has on on a target with the seals. Like if you're the EOD guy and there's an EOD threat, n- nobody's asking your rank, right? <laughs> but that's not necessarily the case when you're working with big Navy and there's a lot of multi-billion dollar ships around and you're giving a recommendation. They're not going to go to the, to the junior man in that scenario. Right. That doesn't mean that we're not going to go to the junior man on like, you know, yeah. If, if we got a question about, Hey, when you were down there and you saw X, Y, and Z, can you do what needs to be done safely? Right. Yeah. That's, Again, it just shows the uniqueness of who we are. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can't, I can't, we could talk about it for weeks. You really, you know, you really can't explain the uniqueness of all those, all those little intricacies, everything. And it's everything, right? From, you know, free fall to diving to, you know, the, mobility other mobility pieces when it comes to helicopter operations even just you know convoy operations dismounted um all these different and those are all just outside pieces to what like is the core of other things that we do mm-hmm. but yet they take such a big part and then there's other pieces that we you know we're we've gotten into as far as like over the last 20 years you know on how we're able to target certain things you know what i mean and so there's so much into all those different things that just go beyond, you know, the, the like what you said, the typical conventional way of, you know, what what EOD services are looked at. And it's like there's a reason for all these extra things for us. Yeah. Going from, <clears throat> put it this way, having fun for a lot of your career <laughs> to being in charge of people having fun. How... <laughs> How was that? Uh, it was hard, you know, <coughs> and you know, there's, and it's, and what's crazy is just the the difference, you know. I'll I'll admit it, the difference in caliber and personnel now, right? Even though we have less, you know, there's obviously less work and there's less, uh, you know, less quote unquote fun, um, than what we had early in my career. The caliber of guys, like in you know. This person knows who he is, but, you know, I want a couple of the guys on, uh, you know, troop or company, however you want to call it, for my, you know, my last deployment. Those guys, there was a Princeton grad. There was a guy who, you know, half of the guys, I think actually everybody won, but one dude had a diploma. Yeah. And not only that, but they, you know, they take care of themselves way better than what, you know, our generation ever did, you know what I mean, as far as you know, PT wise goes and after PT and like understanding the recovery of mm-hmm. physical activities and understanding the diet piece and all this other, all this other things. So they're, they're, they're better caliber when it comes to that. They're better, you know, they're smarter at certain things. You know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting. And, but it's same point. It's like, man, I wish I was what I'd give to be there again. But then, yeah. you know, you realize like, okay, Hey, my time, pretty much my time in that role is over, which is a heartbreaking thing, a heartbreaking thing to uh, get over, you know, and it was something that I really had to come and come to terms with. Um, 
after my uh, you know platoon LCPL ride at uh, at two. Yeah. Right. Got back. Got back from that. You know that combat deployment and and um, sitting back going, oh man, that was it. You know, and you're like, man, this does it have to be it? Yeah. <laughs> Then you get the little reminders, you know what I mean? Like, okay, hey, you know, you've done enough. Or like, oh, you know, like, my body. That bad boy remind me that, hey, you're not, you're not in your 20s or 30s anymore, bud. I was going to say, I, I saw you in strike yesterday. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I knew you were done. Oh, yeah, it's painful, man. It's painful, you kidding. know, when you sit back and you're like, man, why doesn't this, why doesn't this limb bend anymore? Right. <laughs> and you think in your head like I'd still do it yeah absolutely I can still I can 100% run out uh, go out on an op right now 100% I know 100% that you would <laughs> if somebody asked you or if you thought that by the time you got on that op nobody would notice <laughs> <laughs> that's probably pretty true <laughs> now don't tell you know don't tell Susanna that Susanna will no, yeah, yeah. She'll laugh. I was totally well, joking. Well, she knows. Yeah. Yeah. She, that, that was, that she was knows, joke. but she's she's threatened me enough to, <laughs> I know I know better at this yeah. point, you know, and she, you know, but you got to give it to that woman, you know, all the things that she stuck, stuck through with me and, yeah. you know, all the, all the, all the chaos I've taken it through in our marriage, you know, she's, uh, she has, she kind of has earned the right to look at me and say, no. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, what was that? You want to go work? Nope. What, what are you trying to do? No. A little bit? Nope. <laughs> All right. All right. And I feel like she knows. She knows when you are, I don't want to say not being truthful, but when you are yeah. hiding things. She knows. She, she knows. knows not only that you're hiding things, but like she knows you enough that she knows what you're hiding without what? you. <laughs> All right. So. She's smart. That keeps you honest too. She's smart. (laughs) She she's she she, she'll point things out real quick. Like, well, hold up, what? Yeah. She goes in. It was funny. We were just talking about this the other day. She goes into these like these these little. uh, She called it her interrogation mode. (laughs) Then she goes, oh, or curiosity mode. She's trying to hide the fact that she knows it's an interrogation. (laughs) You know, and you know she'll start asking these pointed questions, and you're like. And even sometimes when you're not even trying to, like, I'll, and it will be something silly, like, um, like, you know, certain hotel things, like, because um, we, you know, we did a little family vacation, you know, took the girls up to D.C., and uh, she did this, uh, we were talking about uh, one of the hotels we were staying in, and I was like, oh, well, X, Y, Z, I go, we're going to stay here, and she's like, well, why? I'm like, I don't know, because this, she's like, and that don't make sense. I'm like, well, I don't know why it doesn't make sense. <laughs> right? But it's true because it's like I sit back and I'm like, man, I guess the way I said that probably does make it seem like I'm hiding something. <laughs> and it's like, but I wasn't trying to hide anything. You know, so. But it's, it's, That's it's. Funny. She, she's, she's, uh, you know, she's definitely been a huge, huge part of like, just my my evolution yeah both for me as a person and throughout my career it's actually she's actually one of the reasons why i'm still in 
Because right, at 20 years, I was like, oh, I'm going to be done, right? Yeah. You know, I want to you know, retire and everything else. And I remember, you know, and I don't know how much of this I can say, but I remember complaining about some things. You know, and Susanna was like, well, why don't you change it? I can't in this position. And she's like, well, why don't you, you know, excuse my French, why don't you get off your ass <laughs> and do something to where you can make that change? I'm like, you know, don't you tell me. Fine. We're going to go take a company. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we'll see. I haven't haven't been able to enact the changes, you know, certain changes. And, you know, it's just just the nature of the beast. Yeah. But, you know, I I do realize that, okay, hey, you know, don't whine about things if you're not willing to, if you're not willing to put in the work to try to change what you can. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a big one. That's something that I go back and forth on. You know, I think most of us do. Like we, especially if there's too many of us in a room, you know, we're we're all gonna feed off each other and talk about how horrible our life is. (laughs) And uh, that's true. And but then, you know, when we get when we get alone, or when we get with that that one person, that's like, all right, dude, we had our fun now. Yeah. Now now it's time to be serious. Like. What are you actually doing yeah. to make a difference? You know, that, that's, that's one thing that's, there's a few people that have done that for me in my, my career at different times, mm-hmm. you know, basically asking, well, one is like, what kind of changes do you want to make? Cause that depends on, you know, whether you come in enlisted, come in officer, whether you're, if you're enlisted and then you go officer, um, whether you want to take certain positions as enlisted or officer, like mm-hmm. there's, you can't make certain changes in certain roles. You know, like you're, you're not going to make a policy change. You can influence policy change on the enlisted side, but just the way the Navy works, we like mass chiefs aren't writing policy. They're mm-hmm. influencing the officers who write policy, mm-hmm. but like on the enlisted side, we can definitely make changes on personnel and then if we get into those right roles where we're trusted, mm-hmm. that's when we can make the, the really good pushes for, yeah. for policy type stuff. But yeah, and that's something I realized too is a lot of guys, a lot of guys will get confused, you know, once they make it to a certain position, they think that they, you know, they're like, oh, this is mine. And I know yeah. this is like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You know, the Navy owns that, and you know, and an officer owns that. Yep. I mean, like, you have to realize your position, right? As a chief, senior chief, even master chiefs, right? Like your your position isn't. You don't own that. You don't make the decision on that, right? You make, you give advice. You you try to give sound advice. You try to make mindset changes. You know, and you try to you know give recommendations for somebody. Who has the authority to make that decision? Yeah, right now there's some there's some times in certain aspects, you know, in certain positions and and during certain operations and things like that. Like yeah, where the call has to be made by, you know, call is made by a, a chief or a, a, some type of supervisor or team leader. Yeah, but um, at the end of the day, like guys have to understand, like you know, and no matter how much they may whine about officers and I'm guilty of it too. 
and talk about how they don't like certain aspects of whatever officer community you want to throw out there. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, they're there. Those, they are paid for that position. Right. And not only are they paid for that position, they have the authority within those positions that, that go beyond yours as a, you know, as a enlisted man, whether yeah. it's chief, senior chief, master chief, it doesn't matter. I think it's important to, for people to understand that to you. Cause when you, once you understand that, then you can understand like why it's important to you, no matter what your feelings are on a specific person or group, right. Mm-hmm. To, uh, figure out how to work with them mm-hmm. so that if you think something needs to change, Right. That you can actually influence, and they don't just look at you and be like, "Okay, yeah. this right. dude's talking again." All okay, right. buddy, yeah. pat you on the back. Let me let you sit down. <laughs> exactly, and, and that's it. You know, and you're right. You know, you have to, you have to be able to understand that. And and once, you, the sooner you understand that, and the sooner you understand that, hey, you know what? What I need to do is I have to get through. Yeah. To this guy, you know, I, it's not something you you're not going to force it. Right, so you kind of have to have that ability to like be able to articulate what it is you want in a fashion that is most appealing to that person. Yep. I mean, and that, you know, when you talk, when you make it sound that way, it's almost as if like you're trying to manipulate, but you're not. It's purely because there's these little things, these little nuances with people that will keep prevent them from, you know, accepting something that is being said, instead of just. Oh well, this is because, you know, because I said so. Yeah, I have I have so much more experience, and like, yeah, you have. That's why you're the advisor, mm-hmm. right? Use that experience, but just because you have experience, does that mean you hold the authority? Right. I mean, that's what I think is lost a lot of, on a lot of guys is that hey, man, you're, it's not it's not your job. They don't keep the humility. Right. In it. There's a lot of ego that goes into that. Yeah. And everybody's guilty of it. I've been oh, guilty yeah. of it. Especially my my first platoon chief ride. For those of you who are on my first platoon chief ride, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but hold on. I'm going to mark the time. I don't think <laughs> I've ever heard Harvey say sorry. <laughs> I was, man, I was, I was, uh, I was mean. There was still a lot of learning that occurred for me. You know what I mean? When yeah. I was younger. I was, I thought that that was, how I needed to be was mean, you know, and that's not necessarily the case. I mean, there's still plenty of guys who think I'm mean, but it's not that I'm trying to be. Yeah. It's just, just an That's who you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to be. My, my wife is way better than me. She keeps me from being, being too mean. Yeah, see, she's not mean, but I know I don't want to go against her. I'd oh, rather no. go against you. <laughs> Yeah, there's been a few people. Who I won't win either, me. just to clarify. But yeah, there've been a few people who have said that to me. Like, yeah. hey, man, I, I'd rather you be mad at me than Susanna. Yeah. Like, Josh, Josh said that to me. He was talking. We were talking about you know some opportunities for me possibly uh, at the end of the year, and he's like, you know what? I'm not gonna let you do anything until I hear that Susanna's okay with this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, hold on now. So, but yeah, it's a, a lot of, a lot of people are, you know, who know my wife are like, oh yeah, I'd rather, and it's funny cause it's not like she talks to me and it's not like she's, yeah. she's not like me where I'm like, well, I'm blunt and we'll get into people and she's just, she's, oh, she's so nice and she's, you know, she's just amazing, you know. So. In your, <clears throat> in your career, aside from, you know, going downrange, cause I know if I just, if I, I don't put a caveat on it and I ask you this. 
that's going to be your thing, right? <laughs> but what's been the, the, the best part of EOD? Oh, man. It's not even the going down range part, right? It's just being on a platoon. Yeah. You know I mean, it's the guys, you know, and everybody talks about that, right? And it's, you know, the fraternity, the whole, the whole piece, right? But it, it, it really is. It's the guys, and it's, it's knowing. The cool thing is, is it's knowing that dudes will, always, will have your back, and not just in your back in a way of like, okay, they'll always stick up for you or they'll always fight for you. It's the guys that like are there to make you better. They'll pull you aside in a room. Yeah. You know, and there's been a couple guys, and they know who they are if they hear this, who pulled me in a room like, hey, man, yo, what you're doing is not correct, right? And that's just that constant development of that, and it's not that, and a lot of guys, you know, a lot of it is guys will, even though if they just let you be, it can progress them in one way or another, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's like, oh, well, Harvey can't do this, but I can, Right, and they don't do that. Right, it's like they—they are truly there to try to help each other, and that's yeah one of the best things. That and just you know training and watching guys progress, and like the like how they start to understand things and how they start, you know, how their mindset starts to develop and how they start seeing like, oh, I understand this beast now better. And watching that is actually pretty pretty cool. You know, I mean, there's always there's always jokes and there's always you know, you know, degrading each other. You know, purely out of um, you know love and, and expectation, of course. if you will. Yeah, you know? of course. So, like, <laughs> if you don't, if you're not being, you know, and everybody knows this, if you're not being picked on a little bit in our community, <laughs> you're probably not like. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. You know, what I mean, like if if guys aren't calling you something. You're probably not like, yeah, you know, and that's and that's the thing, you know. Same thing with me. Like usually the guys I like, and I'm picking on pretty bit. Yeah. And there's other times, you know, like I'll I try to remind them how how amazing they are just because of like their abilities within our community. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a that's a piece too that I guess as I've developed the last few years is like, okay, hey, I don't always have to be. I don't always have to put people down. You know, a good friend of mine, he kind of pulled me off. It was actually, uh, it was on this last deployment. And he, he knows who he is. He, he pulled me aside. like, hey, man, I get it that, like, you know, like you've been in the community a little bit longer than me. But, dude, like, you don't need to talk to me like that anymore. Yeah. I was like, bro, well, I'm sorry, man. I wasn't trying to talk to you. I wasn't trying to talk down to you, brother. I talked to you that way because I love you, you know, and, <laughs> Realize, like, uh, I guess, yeah, the way I say a certain, the way I say certain things to you, I can see, yeah, how, like, yeah, maybe it's, you know, can be viewed beyond just playful banter, yeah. Right? So, I, I try to remind people too that, hey, man, like, you just being here is amazing. Right? You're one of the things is that guys don't realize how small of a community we are. Yeah. Right, right. There's, there are positions, you know. I don't, I don't know if I can get into numbers or not. But guys have heard me talk numbers, and there's there's positions in our community where it's literally, you're literally point zero 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 one percent 
of the world yeah. that can do what you do, right? And that is, you know, when you're talking about taking a team, taking a platoon, no matter what, no matter what platoon it is, you know, doing jump operations and then, you know, going from jump operations to security detail stuff for important people to, to um, you know, chem bio and nuke agents, right? And, and, and the high intellectual piece of that and then turning around and doing knuckle dragon combat stuff, you know, and then turning around and then doing dive and all the, all the things that go into that. Yeah. You know, and then there's always this thing of like, oh, jack of all trades, master of none. Well, that's true, but not true, right? I mean, the the whole saying is actually pretty good, right? You know, jack of all trades, master of none is still better than, you know, a master of one. Yep. Right? Um, there's the, uh, we're not just jacks of all trades. Hey, there a lot of guys are masters of multiple trades. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about when you talk about guys like uh, you know he's retired now, like Jeff O'Connor or like or like Mastron, even you know he's still active. But Tommy Matney, he, these guys are these guys are geniuses and just masters of like certain you know, of these, of the chem bio world. And then they turn around and they outshoot 99% of the people, you know, Yeah. you know, and they're able, and they're able to, they're able to physically perform. I mean, look at freaking Jeff O'Connor. He's, I think he's like 152, (laughs) right? And he's in better shape than like most 20 and 30 year olds. That's so true. You know, and he's, and he did it. And just the way he works in his mind and just getting into all the different things that he's done. And, and again, he's he's not a jack of any trade. Yeah. Like, every trade that that man has picked up, is, he's a master at. He is. Right? Agreed. And, like, that's just one of those guys that you just want to aspire to be. Yep. You know, it's pretty amazing that, like, those are guys that are, are in our community. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see, like, like Jeff and a bunch of other guys that <clears> – <throat> You know, they did so well in the community. And it wasn't, you know, we were talking a little while ago, like, you know, a lot of times we say, like, EOD builds a foundation. But really, like, there's a foundation built for most people before they came to EOD that yeah. that set them up to become EOD operators. Yeah. And, and then the EOD portion helps build the rest of the rooms in that house. Yeah. And then when this phase is over and move on to other things, now you've got this, this amazing structure oh, built yeah. on a, a solid foundation that you had before you even got here. And maybe you strengthen that in different areas in the time where now they're just crushing it in <clears throat> whether it's finance or their own business or mm. just, you know, making EOD products now for the, the community. I mean, there's, well, that that portion, he actually, he's had that for a while. Right. Yeah. He, he had that. Well, I, I didn't realize it, but I just saw a thing specifically for, for Jeff that, you know, he started that, like, after his first deployment. Yeah. But, I mean, he's had that since since I've known him. And yeah. I, he and I met, he and I met at DLI back in, uh, I think, at the end of 07. Is that where you learned English? Yep, it is. <laughs> this, ESL, accelerated. 
<laughs> oh my goodness, that guy that tickled me. <laughs> but um, yeah, he was. Um, I first met him, and he was again just one of those solid dudes. And you're like, man, you know. And uh, he and I would just BS about things all the time. And yeah. And I was like, man, you're like you're gonna go places in life, dude. Like, man, I wish I was you. <laughs> Like, I've got nowhere else to go. <laughs> this is it. This is it. This is it for me. Like, that's probably part why I haven't retired yet, too, is just because I don't know what to do when I grow up. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of guys that say that, but it's true. You know, it's you sit back and you think about it and you think, man, you know, I we were just talking about, it. I've, you know, I've done, um, I've got to speak at a few of my friends' uh, retirements now, and it's like, man, you're so brave. <laughs> You're so brave going out into the new wilderness, you know. Right. And you just like, man, I, when, you know, what am I gonna do? And then you just have, and on top of that, you have guys who, you know, you, know, you got guys like Jeff O'Connor, but then you got, you know, another one, you know, is Ty Logan, Tyrone Logan, you know, that dude, he's got, you know, he did. I think I want, you know, and Tyrone, if you hear this, you'll have to, you have to correct me, but I think he did uh, ten or eleven years, right? I mean, the man was the, he was a sailor of the year for the Navy, right? And then he got out, you know, didn't retire, got out. You know, I think there was just a lot of things that he had he had going on, and he just wanted to make sure he took care of himself, and he had he had plans. You know, he got out, and he wound up working for a bunch of different three-letter three agencies, and now he has his own business that's multi-million dollars. Yeah. You know what I mean, and and that's it's not. I know it's, I know I know Ty. It's not about it's not about the money, but like his success is just awesome. It just shows how awesome of a dude he is. And that's a lot of other guys. You know, you got plenty of guys out there that you know are, that do so much, not only for the community but just everything in general. You know, guys who own their own companies. Mark Sanders, Bob Brush. You know. Um, Leon Lowell, you got um, Bob Pizzini, mm-hmm. you know, and these are, these aren't just like little, little coffee shop places. Right. You know? I mean, these are guys that are, you know, controlling multiple employees, multiple locations, multiple, you know, just like how they have the capacity for it. And then talking to them, like they, they all attribute it to like the things, maybe not necessarily the things that they did, while they were in the community, but the things that they learn and how they mm-hmm. learn, how they learn to learn. Yeah. Right. Has been a big, big piece for them. Just like our, our approach on problem sets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> speaking of that, like our approach on problem sets, if you really break down the the EOD mission, really it is like, it, it doesn't matter what, it is. It doesn't even have to be something with explosives or, you know, chemical, biological, nuclear hazards. I think I've heard of multiple times where EOD operators have <clears throat> made the difference by taking a problem that was set before them that had nothing to do with what our job is or what we trained for aside from the fact that everything that we do is to look at a problem from as many aspects as possible, mm-hmm. as many angles as possible, 
attack it from each one of those angles, figure out which one makes the most sense. Then as soon as we do that, figure out all the problems with that and then attack each one of those problems, figure out if thens. So if this happens, then I will do this. And like, just keep doing that down as far as you can for as long, as much time as you can. And then go after it. And like, that's Mm -hmm. when I look at, you know, a lot of the, the business stuff that, that people do, um, afterwards. And, you know, I think that's a a big reason why they're successful is that, you know, the, the foundation before is what made people that are drawn to EOD successful in EOD. Exactly. And then EOD, like we said, helped build that building on the foundation to then go on and attack all the other problems that, you know, and by problems, I don't mean like bad things, but all the, the obstacles that are in their way, you know, if if we want to get a block down the road, there's stuff that we have to do. And just the way we work for the majority is figuring out how to get there in the, the best means possible. And then before all the bad stuff arises, figure out what that could be so that if it does arise, we've already got something in the works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, you're right. Like you hit it, you know, hit it right on the button with that one, man. It's the, like the ability to have that approach on things is just, is, is definitely what helps guys become so successful not only in EOD but beyond, right? And like you said, the foundation that was laid prior to going, you know, become, going through the pipeline, getting into the community, and then the structure that the sound structure that is built on top of that foundation from everything you learn, you know, in the community, and then taking all that to the outside world it is why a lot of these guys are so successful. And the thing, the thing is, is they're so successful even without people truly knowing what it is that they did. Yeah. Yeah. Accomplished in EOD. Yep. Right. And, and while they were in, right. In, in our, in our, in our small little corner of the world of, you know, not very many people. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that, you know, I hope, you know, a secondary or tertiary or, whatever four steps off is um, that, that, you know, this podcast kind of does is like brings awareness to an extent about what we do so that when you, when you go for a job and you say, you know, I I talked to, uh, I talked to my second OIC um, not too long ago. It'd been a long time since I talked to him and uh, he was talking about how when he got out, he, initially he was like, I don't even want to tell anybody, you know, what I did. Right. Mm. But of course people want to know your background and eventually, you know, oh, I'm, I was a Navy officer. Like, okay. What does that mean? What, how's that, how's that help you in what you're trying to mm. do, which is join my company? He's like, ah, well, well, I was a Navy EOD officer. Okay. What does that mean? Mm. I no idea. You know? And then he starts explaining, they're like, Oh, Navy SEAL. He's like, no, no, n- no, not Navy SEAL, you know? But try to like bring some awareness to all the different aspects of our job that we do so that, you know, within reason, when you go to a job and you say, Hey, I'm Navy EOD, they're like, Oh, okay. 
I, I have an idea. Because, you know, SEAL goes to a job and say, oh, it's a Navy SEAL. Okay, I, I have an idea. They're mm-hmm. probably still going to be like, well, how does that help you here? You know, like mm-hmm. what what in your job? Like, Well, not even. <clears throat> man. There's a lot of, you know, and, you know, I have plenty of uh, SEAL friends and, you know, and it's nothing against them because, you know, our SEAL brethren are, they do do a lot of amazing things. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they, there's a lot of stuff that, like, they're like, oh, here, you know, give me yeah. an opportunity like Lockheed Martin. And it's, you know, you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a, that's a lot. You know, and then you turn around and you're looking like, wait a second, how come all you guys are just, you know, UXOs. And you're like, mm, we did a lot more than that. Right? Yep. And, that's, and you're right, you know, it's one of those things where in, in your podcast is, you know, awesome. I think uh, I think the last one I think was episode 13, I want to say. Yep. You know, um, you know it, it's it's great to show that. I hope I hope more people are able to get in on it because it, it is. And, you know, it's a thing where everybody's kind of like shy at first, like where I said yeah. it should. Like, why, why are we talking about ourselves you know, because we hate it. Yeah. We hate it. We it's weird. It. We all, you know, we're the worst about it. The absolute worst. Guys won't even, they'll talk about other good dudes. Yeah. Like the guys will have no problems talking about how great other guys are. That's how I should have started this. I should have had it where I bring a guy on to talk about somebody else. We could have gotten all kinds of oh, stories. man. <laughs> 100%. You know, and like, and the thing is, it's always like, man, how can you, like, you know how amazing you are, dude. Right. You know, like, you're, you know, I'm hearing, I'm hearing, you know, uh, who was it, man? Oh, smooth brain. There was a few guys that, like, were talking, like, they were talking up some of these other guys and, mm-hmm. you know, talking about how great they are and, like, oh, well, I was just kind of this. And, like, no, 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 dude. Like, I didn't, I've heard your name. Yep. You, you and I may not know each other, but I've heard your name. Yeah. And you are a freaking legend, dude. You know, that's always something that, like, it always blows my mind. It always humbles me by looking around, like, at the people I get to call friends who are just mm. flipping amazing. Yeah. They're giants. Giants. You know, I get to call people like, again, Jeff O'Connor, you know, Matt Strawn, Tommy, you know. You know, guys like Billy Sangster and Pat Flanagan, you know, and just, you know, Pat McLean, you know, the the mentor of all mentors, man. Like that guy, if you if you ever want to know how to be a good man, you just look at Pat McLean. Yeah. You know, just guys like that, and you're like, man, you know, like I I get to know these dudes. And it it's such a such a humbling humbling thing you know and it, it always and it always it always makes you kind of get into that um i can't remember if, i can't remember if he's talked about that in one of your podcasts or not but it was um kind of makes you get into this like you know that poser syndrome or what's it called imposter imposter syndrome, syndrome yep right <clears throat> it, it, it it does and you're like man i'm not how can i be in the how can i be in the same room debating a situation with these men, right? Like, he's on this. Before he even came in our community, he was a cop. Yeah. Right? And he was, like, did awesome work at his cop. We're like, oh, man, how? Like, he did. Like, he was doing things, you know, 
he was doing things before things were cool back in Bosnia. Yeah. You know, or like, and you're like, man, you know, here I am. You know, oh, okay, I got a couple, got a few good deployments. Not, I don't, I haven't lived a life like that, man. Yeah. You know, and then you're like, man, and then you hear guys talk. That's, a, that's for me, a, you know, when my imposter syndrome kicks in, right, is when guys are able to rattle off all these, like, all these, uh, how to solve all these problem sets. Yeah. Like, man, you did that quick. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, I got to. I got to sit back and like drool on myself a little bit <laughs> while I try to figure this problem set out, you know? Yep. Like, and you look at it and you're like, man, I, you know, and so that's, that's another piece, I guess, to kind of go back to one of your questions is, you know, that's probably one of the pieces I love the most is, is that little piece, you know, knowing that I get to be in rooms with the guys that have done the most amazing things in the world and not just in the military, but you know, outside of the military, pre-military and post-military, you know what yeah. I mean? Like some of the things, like Todd Neal, there's, there's a few stories about him on some of the amazing things he did before he ever came into UD school, you know what I mean? And then like, just guys like that, and you're like, man, how, how lucky? Yeah. You know, how lucky am I to be able to call these, these men friends? Yeah. You know, and it's a, you know, so it's one of those things where you're like, you know, for those guys out there that struggle with it, and I'm one of those with you, the imposter syndrome is, is real, but take solace in the fact that you get to call those men your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that in itself should help you with that, you know? It's it's funny. So I'll, I'll say two things. One of them, um, <clears throat> as I've been doing this, one of the things that helped me kind of, like, get over some of that is uh, that... Almost every single person that I've sat down with has some type of insecurity that I'm like, dude, that's your strength, you know? <laughs> and like in my mind, I'm like, that's one of the things that everybody's impressed about you for, you know, like yeah. whether it's, you know, uh, a certain number of deployments, a certain type of deployments, you know, the, the, the things they did, like the thing that we that I think makes us so good is that like we, we are going to be one of our, our hardest critics, mm. you know? Um, <clears throat> but that, that doesn't hold us down because, because some people it does, right? Mm. You just get on yourself about how you didn't do as good as you wanted. The, the things you did weren't, weren't at the level and like, well, there's just no point. But most of us are like, man, you know, the way I attacked that problem, I just, I failed. Even though I didn't fail, like still passed, but I just felt like I failed. Instead of shutting down, go back and like, all right, well now I just got to train harder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to, I got to look at more options next time. I got to look at all, all this stuff. Um, you know, and personally, and I still get like this sometimes, but <clears throat> For, for most of my career, even even when I first made senior chief, um, it's funny because I would go into offices, right? I'd, I'd go in, since we've been talking about Jeff a lot, I'll, I'll say Jeff again. Um, I go into Jeff's office, right? I met him when I was in E6. I was senior chief. 
he's master chief. And I, I go in and talk to him and I, I kid you not, like so many times I would, I would pull back like in my head, I'm now an E6 talking to a master chief. Like he, <laughs> he, he made the next rank, but I like go back to when I first met him, you know, mm-hmm. it's like when you see your family uh, that you haven't seen in a while. And like, what was a 10 year old niece is now a 20 year old niece, but you're like, no, you're no. still 10. Ten. Like mm-hmm. I don't, you look different, but you're still 10. Um, and I, that just happened to me with so many people where I'd like walk into an office and I'm like, oh, I'm E5 drawn again. Like, <laughs> this is really awkward. Like, why is this guy even talking to me? Like mm-hmm. he's, he's actually talking to me like a person. Like, yep. I, I, don't, I don't get it, you know, but I'm better with it now, but yeah. It, it takes like, it takes a while. It does. <laughs> it does. You know, I mean, even like every now and then we'll go up to, um, you know, go up to some of the training lanes and Mikey Cobble will be there. And I'm like, oh my God, Master Chief Mikey Cobble. Yeah. Do you know what that man's done? That dude, that dude jumped into Iraq. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, nobody knows that. Right? There wasn't any news stories about this guy jumping into Iraq. Yeah. You know? It's always somebody else that did it. You know, and that's and you look at him, you're like, man. And he's still he's still, you know, one of those guys that are like, Yeah, you can go to combat. Yeah. You know, I mean you could look at him and go like, Yeah. I bet you you put that put a gun in that man's hand and put him out in the middle of nowhere, he'd be able, he'd be okay. Yeah. He'd be all right. Yeah. You know, I mean just yeah, I'm the same way. It's like, you know, you feel so insignificant, especially when, when these, and that's the thing, right? You hear all these stories of guys, right? And none of which are out in the public. Yeah. Right? You know, like, it's not, you know, some of them classified, some of them not or whatever, you know, but you hear these stories and you're like, how in the world? Yeah. You know? And, and it's, you know, it's it's one of the things that, like, I admire about us, but I, you know, it's, again, that everything everything about us is a double-edged sword, mm-hmm. right? Um, something I admire about us, but something else is like, man, we need to do better at recognizing this. You know, like, you got guys, man, you read their, when you read their Bronze Star or Silver Star write-ups, you're like, holy, what? You yeah. did what? Like, you fought off... 20-something dudes covered. You know, and I don't know these guys. I, I just mm-hmm. know the story. But, you know, those those two West Coast cats. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know them. <laughs> but, you know, I read the write-up. And I'm like. <laughs> it's, it's impressive. And you're like, man. Like, this is. <coughs> you know, you probably could have gotten higher. You know, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. But. Like, but you just did. Yeah. <laughs> it's. But it's true, man. You read the write-up and you're like, man. Or you read, you know, some of the old school guys. Uh, on a, you know, when you read up some of these guys' Silver Star write-ups, write you're like, right? Just, yeah. and then just listening to the stories of guys, like, man, you did a lot of stuff. You did a lot of stuff and, like, they gave you a comp? Right. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Oh, like, hold dude. up a second. You, you, you literally fought off this amount of fighters. And then you, 
legitimately say three dudes in a room. Yeah. And you took care of 11 IEDs. And Nam with a V. Yeah. Well, I, I have one of those. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> so, and you're like, you sit back and you're like, man. But it, it goes back to one, like there's a lot of guys who, there might be some closed door complaining about it, right? But a lot of guys, they just don't care. That, that's the thing. So <clears throat> just a couple of days ago, I was, I was uh, fleet temp stalking some people, right? I had some extra time in the morning. I woke up really early. And, uh, you know, I was like, I was looking, it started with looking for something that I needed to find out, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it just goes into, well, like, huh, I wonder what this guy did. You know, I wonder what, like, not did, but wonder what his info was. Yeah. I wonder when he came in. I wonder when he made master tech or whatever you know and then you know there's that awards button and you go over to it and like there's dudes that never once talked about the things that they did but i'm looking at it and i'm like bronze star bronze star bronze star like that's literally like deployment after deployment after deployment like mm-hmm. consistently doing things and you talk to them and most of the people in our community are not resting on that. Like they're not nope. saying, Oh, Hey, last deployment, I did this. And so you owe me, like, I'm going to take a break No, They're like, okay. In the moment, like, awesome. Thank you for this. And so what's for training tomorrow? Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's, that's something, that's something that uh, is a, is true. And it's a constant, you know, guys, guys in the community and Susanna points it out, you know, cause you know, Susanna does a lot with, she's, she's probably done more for the community than I ever will. You know what I mean? She's, she's solid. Yeah. You know, and everything that she does through the foundation, which I'll go ahead and put a plug in for her, you know, the Navy special operations foundation. So, you know, those of you who haven't bought your gala tickets, go ahead and buy your gala tickets. Those of you who uh, haven't donated to, to help fund the memorial, outside of group two go ahead and do that now <laughs> that's right actually on on that i just saw <clears throat> i think uh trevor trevor maxwell started it he did uh donate 20 24 for the 24 guys to the insoft foundation and then challenge somebody else so like you know, obviously you can donate more, 24000 yeah. if you would like. Um, yeah. NSOF will not turn that away. For those of you rich guys. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I thought that was pretty cool. It is, and you because it, it's, you know, like it, it's, it's one of the foundation. you know, it's the only foundation that really supports the NSO community, right? Yeah. It's the only foundation that exclusively supports the NSO community, which is Navy divers and, and Navy UD guys, you know. Yeah. And it, it's... You know, the amount of work that they've put in and the amount of stuff that they do, you know, between, and it's all, you know, between helping guys just get through some things, you know what I mean? And, and, um, helping, helping families of those who have fallen and just beyond combat losses too. And then like trying to, you know, trying to foster that culture of like, Hey, we can get together without loss. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, that that was the biggest thing throughout the GWAT, right? So it seemed like the only time we were getting together with our with our brothers was when we lost a dude. Yep. You know what I mean? So like, 
you'd sit there and, you know, like, oh, okay, well, hey, last time I saw you was at uh, so-and-so's funeral, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's crushing. And then when they did, when Ensoff stood up and then they did that first gala, that was one thing everybody was ranting and raving about. It was like, holy crap. You know, it was, it's awesome that we were here without it being a funeral, without it being yeah. a memorial. Now, obviously, we always talk about the days that we lost because, I mean, it's, you know, it hits your heart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then, well, like, just the amount, you know, so there's that piece with, with the gala, right? And then the other things that they do for individuals, you know, like they're, they're you know, I know there's uh, the, the amount of people that they help for things as silly as like, hey, you know what, uh, my wife is, my wife is moving out for, you know, X, Y, Z reasons and not even like being divorced, just moving out. Can, can you guys help her? Hey, so my sister's in the hospital, you know, we're supporting this way, but we need food. Can we get, you know, so there's a supply of Uber Eats and they do it. They do it with such little funds that they have. Yeah. But they're able to manage it so well. It's ridiculous, you know. Like things like the Coops reset, you know, the operator, mm-hmm. you know, operators reset where guys are going to, you know, here on the East Coast, it's Wintergreen, West Coast, it's Big Bear, I think. And just having a bunch of dudes together to kind of get those, get those stories out and yeah. kind of help each other heal, right? Because, you know, when you're dealing with the things that we deal with and the, some of the injuries that we deal with, both physical and mental, right? And then you know, some of the demons that we've picked up along the way, you know, what I found for me and what I think what's kept me sane is to be able to talk to my, you know, be able to, to just get it out there on the air, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And not, not just bottle it up. Cause I found myself bottling it up after I think it was my third deployment, you know, and I was not a good person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so like, being able to just talk to the dudes and, you know, the operator reset that, or the coops reset that, uh, Ensoff puts on is absolutely amazing. Cause there's nothing, there's no strings attached, right? There's no strings attached. There's no, there's no expectation of like, okay, well, Hey guys, tonight we're going to sit around the fire and sing Kumbaya. Right. I don't know. It's just like, Hey, all you dudes know each other, get together. Some of you may not know each other, you know, cause more likely, you know how it is. We're all one degree away from knowing everybody in the community because yep. there's enlisted wise, there's less than a thousand of us. Yeah, you know, and um, so like being able to do that and like get with guys and tell the stories and everything else without there actually being strings attached, it just makes it more organic, which makes mm-hmm. it better when you're discussing it. That's that's what's helped me. <laughs> Clank. Clank. <laughs> That's what's helped me over the years, you know, dealing with all, all my things, you know. So yeah. Anyways, where where was I getting at? Why did I bring up my wife? Uh, you were just talking about Navy Special Operations Foundation and stuff they did. I can't remember where we started. <laughs> <laughs> my brain don't work so well either. That's that. It's almost like shaking baby syndrome, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say too though on uh, getting getting people together right you know if if you're new to the community i know that it is probably intimidating to go out to some of these events because you're like oh it's going to be you know dudes that have done it forever and you know this and that whatever but 
come out. Like this is one of those times where, except for the, 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 the th- there are some people that may be weird, but the most of us will keep them in check yeah. where like you come out to these things, you can be a new guy, first platoon, like mm-hmm. just showed up. Dude, we, we want you to come out and see and talk and, and, and hear these stories. Yeah. Cause then it's, it, it's like, uh, you, you talked about desensitizing, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is a version of desensitizing you to like what's, what's out there. Plus it's also like, there's a lot of people that have learned a lot of lessons the hard way, whether it's family or work side. Right. Oh, yeah. And you go to these and people are willing to talk about that and mm-hmm. it can help save you from going down a wrong path with your family and, you know, like just to be aware of like some of the things, because a lot of times you, especially once, like, especially if things start to get crazy again and we start deploying all the time and you get back from a work or, you know, you do a workup, you deploy, you come back, you get in on a workup that's already been, you know, 12 months going on. So mm-hmm. you come in on the tail end and then deploy again. And then that cycle just keeps happening for five and six years at a time, you know? which was very realistic. Very much so. Um, you're not focused on, like, seeing some of those signs. Mm. But if you come out and talk and, and listen and share your experiences, you know, um, maybe it'll help you out. And, like, but then also just sometimes we want to hear the stupid stuff you did, you know? Like <laughs> like, like you said, like, most of, most of the guys coming in had, you know, either – time before they came in whether they were enlisted or officer and then college stories like some of us didn't get all those college stories like i wouldn't mind hearing some of those instead of this the stupid stuff i did while i was in you know well that was like that uh it was a trip you and i were on together uh last uh i think it was last fall maybe the last winter time oh yeah yeah uh, (laughs) arrived and we let we were all hanging out and kind of let those new guys just kind of kind of rip and tell yep. some stories that was great yep. yeah i mean you're right it's one of those like man i didn't get to do any of that crap <laughs> yeah. when i was a kid you know exactly so i mean it's it's funny but it, it, you're right like that for those for those new guys out there listening man he, you know Jaron's right you know if you ever hear about us getting together don't don't be afraid to either come or especially if it's an open invitation yeah it might be like 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 you said there might be a couple of times where guys are you know there's a meaning behind the meeting. So like those guys probably shouldn't have come, but anything that's an open invitation, come on, listen. Yep. You know what I mean? It's, it's such a good, such a good time. Yeah. You know I mean, just hearing goes back to what I was saying, just listen to some of these amazing things men have done. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, man. So it, but it will humble you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead. And Absolutely. Put that, Put out, put that out there. I'll humble you because you, you, you remember like, man, these guys, you know, I can't hold a candle to these guys. Yeah, you know. But then that's the thing is like, yeah, maybe you can't right now, but you got twenty plus years to, to start. Yeah. Figuring out how to build that wick. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's true. That is true. But uh, yeah, um, man, I really wish I could remember why I brought, why I was bringing it up. That's. Uh, <laughs> That's scars on the brain, my friend. Right. Uh, yeah, anyways, yeah. what were we talking about? Were we talking about training? Probably. 
<laughs> oh man, oh, that was so long ago. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the the amount of things that guys do and like the, you know, like being able to, I think what we were talking about was maybe identity stuff, right? Mm. Um, because yeah, you get that all the time, guys. Just automatically think we. Once they start hearing stories, and if they don't know what it is that you do, they automatically start thinking you're somebody else, you know. And yep. it's just kind of like, no, nah, man. And it, it it goes back to the like, all right, hey, you know, it's good that people don't know, but at the same point, like, it's a necessity if, especially if we want to keep our keep our community healthy for the future. Yeah. So, but it's um, yeah. I mean, there's. There's so much that can go into that, you know, and I, I, it's one of those world by Harvey type of things, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's definitely my opinion and there's admittedly, so there's, I'm sure there's plenty of things I don't know about that go into certain, certain decisions, you know what I mean? And I, I know that. So I kind of just sit back and, you know, say what I can when I can, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, like, uh, as far as I can't remember what the hell I was going to say. <laughs> you keep trying. But... Trying. Oh. We, we were talking about loss there for a second, too, right? Yeah. Because right, that's, cause that's a, that was, you know, a big piece, right? Was, uh, you know, guys were, guys weren't dealing with it either. Yeah. You know I mean, we were, because of how busy we were, you know, and just, going from one thing to another to another to another to where we weren't really we weren't really able to mourn those guys you know what I mean right and that's I think I think that's one of the big things why uh, at the end there you know in uh, 2016 why when Scotty passed that was that was a big a big hit to a lot of us you know Mm -hmm. what I mean because we had gone a little bit without anybody passing yeah you know and then not only had we gone a little bit with anybody passing, but we were kind of in a lull as far as work goes. Mm-hmm. So we had more time to process it and to mourn it. And then it just turned, you know, there were some silly things, you know, with things with, uh, like, I don't know if this will get me in trouble or not, but like with Scotty's, um, Scotty's Irish wake, then, Chico's uh, debacle. Yeah. Then, then you know his memorial, the following weekend, you know, and the AJ Gators debacle. You know what I mean? But it, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, like, when we were able to actually uh, process it, it, you know, hit everybody in the community hard. One. Yeah. Scotty was one of those legends, you know. Mm-hmm. Scotty and I mud put together back back in late 01, early 2002. And, um, you know, he was, he was a legend. You know, yeah. there's, a, there's a, anybody that knew him that he didn't touch in one way or another and in a good way, you know, and everybody saw him as a legend. So when we lost, when we lost Scott, he was a, it was, a, it was pretty hard. Yeah, he was a, a solid operator, but just a solid human being. Like, oh, yeah. even, yeah. <clears throat> and um, he's one of those too, you know, where prior to I mean he was uh you know, he was on the USS Cole. 
I mean, I don't, I don't think he was on board at the time. But yeah. you know, he did, you know, the amount of stuff he did prior to him as well was just pretty impressive. So. Yeah. So. What else you got? Yeah, man. Uh, no, I mean, we've been going for what, about an hour and a half. <laughs> you got anything else that you want to uh, share uh, in this first round? Uh, yeah. Uh, the only thing I'll say is, is, uh, for guys who are, who are new to the community or kind of struggling still with your uh, identity and for the, and for guys who are trying to figure out which community they want to go in and maybe don't know too much about us is, you know, the cool thing about the community is, is the, the breadth of knowledge and scope of responsibility we we truly have that very little people know. Yeah. You know I mean? I think that's something that guys need to realize and focus on for sure. I would agree. I would agree. It's, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a huge thing. And if you don't make it that, like the knowledge of that, a priority, mm-hmm. then, then a lot of other things are going to be missed. Yeah. But, Thanks, I appreciate, for, having, thanks yeah. for having me on, dude. Yeah, man. I, I know we've been talking about it for a bit, and it's one of those things where it's like, eh, I know. Should I go on? <clears throat> Just had to find the right way to do it. I think we did. Yeah, we yeah. Did. Left a lot of left a lot out. Yeah. You know, maybe down the road we'll get into that again. But it's a uh, it's like a teaser for yeah. for what's to come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on, brother. Thank you for listening to the Echo Oscar Delta podcast, where we talk to Navy EOD techs and hear the stories that they want to share.